Hey, this is Higher Peaks. This podcast is supported by our listeners on Patreon. There you can become a patron with options of bonus content, including behind-the-scenes posts, messages, pics, shorts, raw, unedited content, and even full episodes. You can influence future shows, have voting power, get exclusive rewards, and have patron-only giveaways. See full details on our page at patreon.com slash organrooted. Um, it's something that you that you need to be aware of going into this, which is that they're tools, you know, that facilitate a process. And then once that process is facilitated, you need to move on. You can't hold on to the tools. You got to let them go. Welcome to Oregon Rooted. I'm Higher Peaks. And this is Lady Sativa. You're listening to The Dirt Show. Where we bring you Oregon's cannabis culture. Good. How are you? So it's a crazy world out there these days. It's weird. It's a weird place. How How are you? How I mean, let's talk about that, man. Like, uh, you know, my refuge is my my uh, uh, cannabis plants. You know, right? Yeah. So are you still Are you still working? Are you still moving that that direction with the cannabis? Yeah. Yeah, I've taken a little bit of time off. I shut down the my main flower room there for it's going on 40 days, 50 days now. So I've taken a little bit of time off from that. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I'm still doing it. And it's definitely keeping me, keeping me sane. Uh, I just started a new round of testing, which that will fill up my flower room. So and those will be ready to go in there and like, two and a half weeks, three weeks. So they're just in the seedling stage. Uh, now are you, are, so are you still crossing? Are you still doing stuff? We're going to get surprised by in a couple months. Like you're going to end up, you know, slapping out one of those nice pictures of yours and, yeah, and have yeah. some F 17 or <laughs> F 420 <F1>. or <laughs> yeah. F ones. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm doing. So I'm working on two new, new crosses right now, working on testing, uh, the work to do the cross has already been done. Um, so yeah, those will be ready for release. Well, as soon as I have pictures, you know, ready to promote them and I can get a good feel for what they're like, they'll be ready in 60 days, 65 days or so. And yeah, they'll just kind of, you know, I'll pop off with them. I'll be popping off with pictures for those. So yeah, I think so. Um, so there's one of the two that I'm, well, I'm excited about the both, but I think that the candy land I crossed with the F13, that's going to be a, a special one. Um, every once in a while, one of them stands out a little bit more in my mind anyways. And I think that candy land is going to be pretty, pretty nice. I bet. Now you're still messing with the F4, right? You're still doing, or even better now, I imagine on the blueberry, you still rolling with the. Yeah, I'm still using my F4 boy from DJ. 
Um, I'll probably stick with that for, for quite a while or until actually I come up with a resource and space needed to select another male. It just takes a little bit more space than just running through the, the females. Um, so I'll be using that male for a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm still using him. Um, but the, uh, the crosses I'm working on now were from the, the F13 male that I was working with last year, the year before. He's gone now. That that male's gone. That's so, crazy because everybody was hyped on that. F. I mean, like every time you posted something on that, it seemed like everybody was hyped on that that cross, whatever you crossed it with. Yeah, they're ready for new males for sure. Pete, the 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 public is definitely ready for new genetics, and I got you, you. know. I, I think a lot of the breeders out there are kind of stuck with one or two or a couple of males, you know, and, and we all are sharing females. So it's kind of limited. I think the access to some of the, the genes that a lot of people want. So every time we come up with a new male, I think there's like some excitement, some hype behind that. Sure. And I often wonder like, is, is when you're breeding, is it more important to cross is it more important to find that male or is it more important to find the female? Cause females mm. seem, you know, I mean, obviously females are easy to find. So like really is the true find in a male? Yes. Yeah. That's how I would say. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that one is necessarily more important than the other. Um, but I would say that in my experience that selecting and uh, keeping males alive is, is much harder than selecting and keeping females alive. One thing off the top of my head is that, uh, I have had no problem really revegging female plants. Like I, I have actually, I don't think I've had one that didn't work yet. Um, but the male plants are much harder for me to reveg. As a matter of fact, I don't think I've had a male plant reveg for me yet. Um, I haven't tried that many, but uh, enough to know that I feel like uh, males are much harder to reveg than females. So, uh, in order to pick the male, you know, you got to take your, or for me anyways, I, I feel like I have to take my clones from it before it goes into flower, which adds a whole extra, you know, anywhere from two to three weeks onto the time, onto the, the process. And on top of that, you have to house then all of the backup males that you've taken clones of, which means you'll have to have more space as well. So it takes a little bit more time and a little bit more space, which those are two things that I'm just kind of limited on at this point. I think a lot of breeders are, with being stuck, you know, having to stay under certain numbers or canopy space and stuff like that. So I think that's why uh, people have that had a little bit of a harder time coming up with new males and why there's excitement for when somebody does come up with a new male. Well, sure. And like you said, it, it takes space. I, I know this year I'm, I'm literally working with all your crosses, basically years mm -hmm. and green works. I'm literally, that's, what I'm running. I've got, you know, nice. I mean, off the top of my head, I think around seven crosses from you guys. And um, so I'm just pheno hunting this year. And that was a thing is that, you know, I popped like 60, 60 plus and uh, to, to sift through. And um, I got about 10 males sitting out there right now that all look really good. And, uh, it's amazing, dude. It's uh, I, I, I've never felt this level of satisfaction growing cannabis um, as in actually, you know, t t taking it forward. Like, you know, if I was to die today, if you will, yeah. I, I've I've my legacy is crap, but it's 
it's uh, y- you know, it's I, I've I, I got involved somehow. My not my crosses because I don't sure. I don't want to take the credit on that, but but the fact that I was Real able, part. yeah, the the fact that I was able to make something that doesn't exist without me, sure, with the help of very good people behind me uh was really amazing and um yeah 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 and so i'm really enjoying that experience and what's really weird is i've never grown this many phenos and what's crazy is like i've got some that look just like that oct man like i've got the um the uh uh plumberry or the yeah the plumberry kush crossed with the chocodile um it it like I've got f- several phenos that are bright green, and then I got several phenos that are just like the stems are black, and you know what I mean, nice. just that deep OCT plumberry Kush look. Uh, mm-hmm. It's amazing, and it it makes me wonder how like how do you choose like where do you go with that? Like I I, I I'm terrible when it comes to this because I just like to grow them all. <laughs> sure. Well, um. I'm, but I would, I would imagine you've got to have favorites. Oh, I do, man. I do. Oh, um, go. The, 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 the SV crossed with the plum Kush. There's a couple of them. And what I really like is some of the phenos, like I said, are really green. Some of the phenos are really purple, but there's also some in between ones that are like this reddish color. And so I'm yeah. just, yeah, I'm really like, I don't know. It's weird. It's just, again, it's a new experience. And I just really appreciate the fact that you've been able to, uh, move that legacy on so that people like me, these little guys can right. actually, can actually do something decent with their backyard. We're, so, we're, you know, thank you for saying that. That's, that was the whole point. You know, that's the whole point, obviously, you know, I'm, I, I'm making a living here. So I, I use, you know, the reimbursements to pay my bills and my rent. And so, um, that's obviously part of the motivation, but ultimately like, you know, I, I had a job doing something before I did this. You know, I was, paying the bills before I did this. So, you know, I ultimately that that's the reason that I, that was the big payoff for me was, was having, you know, other people feel like that they were included, you know, so cool. Let's talk about like, are you still going to keep doing cannabis and everything's going to go well there, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I mean, I have no, I have no reason to leave the cannabis, <clears throat> you know, scene at this time. It's, it's, it's still a, you know, um, it's still worth my while. I mean, I still really enjoy doing it. I think, you know, I, as far as the Instagram thing goes, I've just, I've had to, you know, divert my energies a little bit from the promoting and the marketing towards a little bit more of an, of an activist sort of a, a voice. I, I have to say something, you know, I'm, um, so from an outside marketing perspective, I've, I've definitely not pushing the rope so much, so to speak or whatever, but I'm, I'm still active in the canvas scene. I still plan to stay here. Um, uh, I think I, I think moving forward, I'm definitely probably going to start becoming a little bit more private. Um, in that arena, as far as the work that I'm doing, um, just because it, it is, it's, you know, honestly, you know, and, and I, I'm making this all up as I'm going along right now too. I'm just feeling this through, but, um, it's a, it's a little bit more, I think of a private process than I have led on to be in, in the recent, you know, in the recent past. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to stick in the cannabis thing. Um, but I'm, 
for the near future, at least until elections, I'm definitely going to be using my Instagram page for to geared towards a little bit more towards activism. Um, just because I, you know, I don't have too many pictures of plants. I got enough to show, but you know, and and they'll come up as the testing gets going. But I don't know. It's it's yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's brutal. <laughs> it's brutal because right now we're in a time where, like, I don't. I think we've talked about this before, but you're approximately my age, and I think uh, I think me and you have seen a lot of weird shit. Mm-hmm you know, over the years and uh, a lot of changes and 2020 just added a whole nother level to that. <laughs> yes, it did. It really did. Um, so one of the things off the top of my head right now um, in trying to keep all this tied together and cohesive is that, uh, what was it? There was, um, I don't even remember, you know, all the way that we absorb news nowadays is so strange. It goes in one year and out the other. So it's hard to reference or, or say, well, where I read this from or where I heard this from, but I was reading an article somewhere where I was talking about McConnell. I'm pretty sure it was McConnell using the, the department of justice, or whatever, and intentionally targeting. Yeah, they were, they were targeting a, a cannabis business owners. I forget what state it was in. Um, but they were targeting them for their political views. Um, that was what the article had summed up. And, and realistically, like when it comes to, to matters like that, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to believe that somebody like Mitch McConnell is, is, is targeting an, another company for, um, for political matters. It's not what it's over. It's about money. It's about fucking money. Um, they're, they're, I do feel like they're making that play to step, step in and start stepping on some toes to start influencing the way that the money flows. Um, sure. So in in that regard, I think that's kind of what I'm meaning by, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start tape making things a little bit more private as far as the way that I'm promoting myself as a uh, enterprise or whatever. Um, and, and, and in, in that matter, I, I don't really feel like, you know, switching my energies to activism is necessarily a bad idea. I feel like now is the time. It, it, it's not necessarily the most safest time to be putting your neck out there. As a revolution, this is a global revolution. It, it might, you know, it's hard to to say that and to feel it, I think. And I think it might be hard to actually acknowledge it for what it is because we're in the middle of it. Like this is happening right now today, but this is a, a, a revolution. Like this is, the world is turning. Like it's making a 180. Like and, and things are happening. So it, there's no problem with kind of, in terms of like business ventures or whatever, it was just kind of sitting and letting, letting see where things go. And so, um, yeah, uh, that's where I'm at in that whole regard. Um, the activism thing though, like I, I have, I don't, I don't no guilt about that. I have no qualms about that. Like, uh, this is personal. Well, <laughs> this is it, fucking personal. Right. Like, and and, and, I, and, and I, I'm not ashamed to say that anymore. I think that might have been part of what was holding, I think, a lot of us back from naturally activating our true voices was just not admitting that, no, this is fucking personal. Racism is personal. Hatred is personal. Bigotry is personal. This is personal. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's you know, I, I hate to get on this track too far, but... That's the thing is, you know, a lot of people I get in quote unquote engaged with don't realize I have a half black son. 
Yeah, and, I saw you mention that somewhere on. I didn't know that either. You know, we'd go to restaurants and we couldn't sit down because there would be a couple of old people from Eagle Point and want to take us out back with the shotguns because we're right. both together. And, um, you know, I dealt with that. And I still do. Like the one of the first things that struck me odd is when I put my kid into grade school, uh, he came up to me and he said, Dad, I was filling out this paper today. And I said, okay. And he said, am I white or black? Right. And I said, what? And I think on the on the paper, I think it says Caucasian or African American. Yeah, yeah. And I said. It's fucking bullshit. It is. And I said, and I said, I don't, I, I didn't know how to answer. Like I. And neither does he, neither, neither does the school. Uh, my, my, my dad went around that with the school and, and some things came up and, and I found out by watching. Like, the school doesn't know how to respond. The school does not know what to tell him to put on the fucking piece of paper. Exactly. You know I what think, they told me? Check both. I assume, check both. Yeah. So and it's it, like, are it you would fucking depend, kidding me? It would depend on the school's <laughs> level, two things, the school's level of prejudice and what type of funding they were looking, they were looking to get for, for that fucking prejudice. That's right. it. Well, and whatever data they culminate from that. Here's so, the problem is they culminate so if, data from that. Exactly. So if the school is smart, they'll tell the kid to put both, check both, which is what your school did. Because they're like, we'll get more money that way. Sure. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> or whatever, whatever it is that they're using the data for, you know, not necessarily money, it's resources and funding and shit or whatever. Then when push comes to shove, they can say, no, we have this many white and this many black, like, well, shouldn't they all be treated the same? And I guess, well, you know, when push comes to shove, their response is going to be, well, no, because people of ethnicity are, you know, tip, are typically and generally more disenfranchised, so they need extra support. And But it, I don't know. The census stuff for me doesn't necessarily, it's a hard, it's a hard hill for me to, to, to choose my battle on. Like, uh, Well, I've, census is no different, though. Like my questionnaire for my census this year was no different. It's not, it's not different. Um, but I think that the, so the difference with the census is, is that it's not putting that fucking burden on, on children in a school, whereas the census, you know, it's adults and adult answers the door and adult answers the question. And, and I, and I don't even know why they were having your son fill out that fucking piece of paper. He shouldn't have. Well, it was, just, it was some, it wasn't like the official, like it was just something he was filling out that day. Like whatever. Same, same thing. It's the same thing. You, yeah. Why? Why are we forcing our children to take these identities and these labels? Well, or or have to put themselves in that category. Like exactly. he, he's like, exactly. what do you mean? Am I white or black? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> so I have he no gets answer. To choose. He, that's an interesting. That's an interesting dynamic and example to maybe just discuss in this room because, like, he, so for him, he gets to choose, um, and right. that kind of highlights the example that I'm trying to make, that is an unfair choice. It's a burden to put that choice on a child. It's a burden to put that choice on anybody, but let alone a child who, who hasn't even identified with whether or not he's black or white. And, and why should he, why can't he be both shit? Why isn't there a thing on there that says, or other? Right. Right. The reason is because there's no funding for other. There is. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's about money. And it's, it's, you know, obviously, ethnicities play a role in all of this stuff and it becomes personal, you know, but this, the, this isn't about race. This is about money. And, and, and each race has a different relationship with money. They have a different interaction with money. Like, like me as a white person, I've got a pretty decent relationship with money. It's not bad. Now that I'm an adult, I'm a grown 
man, white man, but as a child, as a poor child, mm-hmm. my relationship with money fucking sucked. And if I would have been a black poor child, my relationship with money would have sucked even more. Yeah. So I understand, you know, how the race issue comes into this, but for me, you know, this isn't about race. It's about, it's just about fucking equality. Well, yeah. and, and, and why are we so categorically like that's, it seems like humans in general just want to categorize every fucking thing, dude. Yeah, we do. Because you it know, allows, we put it, it in allows, the box. It allows us to, to, to place ourselves on that, that ladder of hierarchy. We get to decide where we go. If we can step on something else, we get to decide where we go. Go ahead. Instead of, instead of being forced down that level of hierarchy by somebody else, which is always happening. Uh, we're not paying attention to that because we're forcing somebody else down and anybody can do that. Black people can do that. We can all find somebody that is less human than we are. Right. So it, 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 it works great for, for every race to be prejudiced. And it's just one of those things that we have to deal with. And it seems like it's pushing itself right into cannabis. Like it, it is. Um, and I'm glad that you brought that up because I have, of sneaking suspicion of what's going on here with that. I'm, I'm pretty confident in this assessment actually. Um, it appears to me that cannabis has always been a counterculture, right? right? It's always been, uh, separated from the main culture that is the United States, um, of America. Um, so it was, it, it appears that, um, the, a lot of the white supremacists, uh, a lot of that counterculture from that, I don't even know what to call it, the white supremacy counterculture, somehow got funneled into the cannabis um, counterculture. And, like, again, let's try and use money as the, the catalyst for how things have been funneled. Um, I don't think that necessarily a lot of the bigots that are residing in the cannabis industry are here because of cannabis. I think they're here because of money. Um, and I think that they have come here over the, the span of the last 10 and 20 years because of money. So they've been here for a while, but it's been growing. And I think that uh, certain forces in the government and the bureaucracies have encouraged these um, groups to grow in this culture, basically just by feeding them money. Um, so they're here now. And I, I believe that the cannabis counterculture is where uh, white supremacy in America is now residing. Oh, and that, that, that's, that's a deep statement when you consider what you're talking about. It's horrible. It's horrible for me because uh, this is the lifestyle and path that I wanted to choose, and they are in my fucking way. Um, and I have some shit to deal with now before I can move on with my path because these people are in my way. They're gotcha. making money off of me. They're yeah. making partnerships off of me. Right. And this is a problem for me. Um, it. So it's good that they're getting the healing that they might need, but it's a problem for me and it's a problem for my community members. We're, we're all arguing over money, but racism is not welcome and it's definitely not welcome in the cannabis industry. So Correct. the second that those prejudices are found out, these people are going to be pushed out of the industry. So we're, we're fighting over our, jo- our jobs and money. Yeah, good point. Um, they're, they're, they're fighting over money. They're worried that they're going to get pushed out of the job that they've grown into for the last 10, 20, five, one year, whatever. Some of these people have only been here for a week, a month, right? but they're flocking to it. Well, the, the, the people I've seen that have been here a week have got all the money. 
right? You know, and they're the ones that are that are arguing the loudest about like, oh, fuck Black Lives Matter, and this is all lives matter, and no, yeah. we do, I have a right to have a gun, and like, no, this is this isn't your community. This has <laughs> never been what this community has been about, and you're not going to fucking step in here and tell us all the way that you know, no, right, right. We're that- we're nonviolent. We're passive. We're not fascist. We're not racist. That's Literally the, the, the opposite of community. Has, <laughs> it's the opposite of what these fuckers are trying to make it. And, money and, has always been like that, though. Well, and now there's money here. Well, there's huge money. I've, it's been hard to keep up. Some of the things I've heard are unbelievable, though. Like I, I some I I read somewhere that was it Colorado got rid of uh, qualified immunity. Yeah. Um. The thing with the qualified immunity that I I'm just googling that just now because. Yeah, it comes up in Colorado, Colorado passes in. So uh, I, I guess it was Colorado, and that that one blew, blew my mind when I saw that because that doesn't make sense. So what that means is, you know, since you know this is how the laws work, because Colorado has now got rid of qualified immunity. All the rest of the states can do that. They can do this federally now. Um, the the jig is up. I I've been really super negative on Instagram. It, it, lately, like at least outwardly, my expression has seemed negative. I've, um, but I've actually been a lot more positive and hopeful than my expression seems. I'm to maybe clarify a little bit. Yeah, I may as well. I'm, if I got, I got people listening to me and stuff. So what I'm doing there is I'm campaigning. Um, that's what's going on with my Instagram page. It's a, it's a campaign. I'm, I'm campaigning against Trump. I don't, I don't care who you vote for. I don't care whatever. Just don't vote for Trump. Um, so that can kind of come off a little bit uh, unattractive at times or unappealing or I, I, I don't understand. And then I don't understand like when you say back to that people, you're like, well, is, and you ask them back, you're like, well, is Trump the right answer? Like, and they, they have no, right. No reason. <laughs> the conversation goes nowhere and it's just like, okay. Well, I'm, it generally I'm, goes to I'm name calling. To fucking God. Here's what, here's <laughs> it says, whatever you're a fucking loser anyway. Yeah. Right. Here, here's what I'm, I'm really hoping like I'm wake up dreaming this like, and is that uh, Trump has this little fucking heart attack. <laughs> right. <laughs> has a heart attack. They take him out of office. They put tent up there, whatever. And then, you know, Biden has nobody to run against. So then Bernie comes back and Biden and Bernie can run against each other with tents. Come on. Uh, it's not going to happen, but, that's that's you know, almost I mean, it, worth jerking off to you though <laughs> i mean it doesn't matter who they um vote for whether they vote in my opinion it doesn't matter whether or not people vote for trump or not um as long as i mean it doesn't matter who they vote for other than trump as long as they don't vote for trump in my mind it also does not matter if trump gets reelected. um it, we're gonna have a revolution in this country whether trump is reelected or not and i think that's something that people should maybe start considering um is that even if Biden is elected and Trump's gone, we're still going to have a revolution. Right. Um, this this thing with the people protesting in the streets and the Black Lives Matter, that is not going away. The, the um, wheels are spinning. The wheels are spinning. The jig is up. The genie is out of the bottle. Like yeah. They can't make this go back. All they can do right, basically at this rate is obstruct us. And that's, I think, what I'm campaigning against is getting people on board and saying, hey, look, we're being stopped here. Like we got, We're full steam ahead. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's... Uh, there was another one I read yesterday. Um, where was it? Uh, there are multiple states who have already started these. They've rolled out these practice universal um, living wages. Uh, I think New York, there was a, it, was a, it was a jurisdiction somewhere in New York that had done it. 
And then I want to say that there was another place that they had mentioned. It was like somewhere random weird in Ohio or whatever, some weird place where they had taken a selective pool of people in New York. I want to say it was like 1200 or it was in between like 1200 and 5,000. I forget the exact number. It was a, a substantial chunk of people where they taken a couple thousand people and for, it was like 24 months, they gave every single one of them unconditionally with no strings attached. It was like 500 bucks. This is just a practice to see because there's these theories about the universal basic income about how that's what's going to build our income back up and our economy back up and our GDP and our whole country back up. Um, and there's a lot of studies to, to indicate and, and to show uh, how it works. So they've been trying it and the one place in particular it was the random place. You just Google universal basic income and you'll get these stories. You can research it. Um, but the one place where they were giving the people like 500 bucks sure enough within, it was like 30 days, 45 days, whatever they were seeing a return on their local economy. That was what they had predicted, which was, it, it was worth the investment of the $500 basic income for each of the, of the people they were giving it to. So they're starting to roll these models out of things like that. We're talking about the wheels being in motion, the genie being out of the bottle. Um, these things are happening. And, and the only thing that these forces can really do at this point is obstruct and slow them from happening. Um, the, the police attacking peaceful protesters, is, that's it. It's all a distraction. Like it's obstruction. The one thing to keep in mind considering that I think is that cops generally make a pretty decent wage. It's a, typically, if I'm not, sure how you know much money you've made in your life but i have not i've i've gotten a little bit of a taste for a couple years where i made a decent amount of money but i think cops generally reside in an income bracket that is lucrative enough to keep most of them from quitting their jobs i see what you're saying uh, yeah no i i would agree with that it's, I, it's, I think that. starting starting wages somewhere around 60 to sixty-five thousand a year for most full-time cops depending on where they're at somewhere i'm assuming right. in that range which is it's enough to buy somebody out to, to be like once they have once they've bought the 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 2020 F150 or whatever that's a ninety thousand dollar truck and they've got a, a, an eighteen hundred dollar month payment in that and a two thousand dollar month payment in rent like they're already stuck. It's it, I get what you're saying. It so it's it it can be a but what they need chokehold. to realize it can be a chokehold. But what they need to realize is they're already in a position where they're going to start losing funding. They're going to start losing hours. They're going to start losing budget budgets and, and, and pay and money. They're going to lose their jobs. So now is the time for them to start looking for another job. Right. Especially if they're not, you know, if they feel guilty about what they do or, or even worse, if they don't like what they do, which a lot of them don't. I, I would venture to guess that upwards of at least 50% of the police out there are just like every other normal human being and they can't stand their fucking job. Right. Well, and I've seen that I've seen where and this is the empathy part. I've talked about this on previous episodes where there's empathy across the whole board where it's like, what about the people that are cops that are having to stand up and deal with this shit and don't want to and don't have a way, like you said, like you're already chokehold into your lifestyle. So and for so them, what do you do? Yeah, so for them, I understand. I understand that, but it, it, that I still think is a level of they're not educated because if if because you're basically you're painting the picture of, of a wholesome human being an altruistic wholesome human being who likes doing a good job is proud of doing a good job who who thinks that they're providing a service that the community benefits from and wants if that cop was was educated to 
to understand the way that the police force, their own police force actually works to subjugate and control people and the way that they do that by targeting certain demographics of people. I'd like to believe that those people are wholesome enough to understand that. No, this isn't the job that I wanted anyway. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so and that, and yeah, that's we what, can, we can, we can have empathy and a bleeding heart for those cops who just want to do a good job. But at the end of the day, if they just want to do a good job, they quit their fucking job. I, okay. And this is exactly where me and your opinions meet is the fact that that's, that would be me. And I'm going to say this. I don't know how to say this more clear. I want to say this in a way that's not going to get me in trouble, but I'm not going to edit this part out. I can make $20,000 a year and be richer than someone making $60,000 a yeah. year paying taxes. Yeah. Now, does that make sense? It does make sense. I, I think that also so has for, a little bit, well, a little for, bit to do with where somebody, somebody's background and where they come from too. Though. Well, oh no, no, I'm not saying all I'm, what I'm using that for is just saying that basically I don't want to hear your excuse that you're locked into some lifestyle. Um, I've quit jobs. I've left. I've stayed in Medford, Oregon, the shithole town of Southern Oregon. I've stayed here for my kids. I've got all kinds of reasons why I've turned down a lot of different jobs and a lot of money. And it's never hurt my lifestyle. <laughs> Just saying. Um, I, I always find a way to make money. It's just the way it is. And I so think that does happen. That does happen. And I think that's something that is, is people lose sight of, you know, you get scared and you forget that, you know, like you always find another job. Well, or, or you have skills like just, just find out what you like to do and do it. And then it'll come. (laughs) I keep trying to say it's very simple. It sounds, it sounds stupid, but it's just like how you live. Like, look at you, you are a, a, an amazing, amazing person that has gifted the cannabis community with knowledge and it doesn't pay you as probably as much as you deserve, but at least you're sure. still living for us, right? Like you're still sure. out there. You're yeah. still, you're still doing your thing and you're able to make those choices as far as, you know, like say you wouldn't be a cop, Sure. sure. Uh, but I'm sure so you're not down- rich either. Not rich, but downsizing is a little bit harder though. I, it, it takes a, a bit of, um, it's a sacrifice to, to downsize, like from, from making 65 to $70,000 a year to, to down to 20,000. Well, I'm not saying um, it's even possible. Like you said, if you got bills and you got a car payment, you got, you know, a house payment, and then you got a, some sort of timeshare you have in Baja or, or something. Or, or like, uh, say like if you're like, if you're born like I was born in uh, Detroit, Michigan, or but I but I grew up. Let's just say for the sake of argument, I was born in Eugene, Oregon. I was born in Oregon. Right. Um, it, like I can't I can't actually technically afford to live here anymore. Um, even when things are at their at their best, like I just uh, I, I make enough money to live here in Oregon, but when I look at it on paper and budgeting it and saving and stuff, it's just it's not feasible for me to live here unless I was making like around seventy thousand dollars a year. Um, and so I do want to downsize out of this, but it's, it's not that simple. Like it, you know, that's what I've actually been trying to work on over the last 10 years, but it's going to take, it's taking me money to do that. I'm having to save up money to do that. Um, right. So, so there's a little bit of sacrifice that comes in along there with that downsizing. Um, I manage money really well. So 
my broke is not most people's broke. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. I same here. I, I uh, totally get it. Yeah. And so what happens is it's usually everybody around me that has no money, but I have money because I've managed it. <laughs> right. Right. Or, or nobody, or nobody has any money, but you just don't care. You're like, well, so I, I don't, well, I'm used to not having any money. You know, I'm used to not being rich. <laughs> so I don't need a lot of money to be happy, but I also never, I'm 45 years old, never put myself in a situation where I had to have $75,000 a year to live. Right. Exactly. And, and that is, I think that stems, I could be wrong, but I think that stems from the fact that I always have understood that I've always rather like I get the same thrill a person gets when they spend money, like these women that go down and buy a pair of shoes and they get that, that freaking thrill. That's how I feel when I put that same amount of money, that a hundred bucks that you spend on your shoes. When I put that in my bank, that gives me that same Woody. I saved my money to spend on something. I was actually just thinking about this the other day because I was trying to, I mean, I've been for years, I've been trying to determine whether or not I'm cheap. Like, you know, you can't analyze yourself. Uh, no, I, I, I'm saving my money to, I'm going to spend, but spend it all at once and blow it all at once on something. You mean something big and worthwhile. <laughs> I, want, I want a house. I'm getting a nice piece of property. You know, I really want to, like you said, just start investing if you will. Yeah. Um, uh, black market prices are going up, huh? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I don't Or just prices in general. I don't know why I said black market prices. Well, no, it's, 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 <laughs> it's true. Like, like right now, back east, man, they're dry as hell. <laughs> they're dry, you say? <laughs> In back east? Well, from what I hear, they're getting pretty good prices for pounds back there. I mean, I guess that's why the price would, would go up, huh? Hey, I was a little bit confused about that. I, I didn't even think about their, their being a glutter being dry because I, it's a thing anymore. But I was just confused. It's like, well, why is the price going up? There? I was like, there must be a, must obviously there's probably something with distribution as well but <laughs> yeah now that i think about it i'm like obviously the price has gone up because the demand has gone up i didn't know that well even even seasonally right now um just so you know <laughs> I mean, uh, back east they this time of year like oh especially july august oh prices of pounds are going to go up the next two months because sure. july, july and august on the east coast isn't i mean they get dry as up. And it's always been that way. It's, it's just, always been that way. I didn't know that. I thought it had been years before it had, there had been enough of a fluctuation to where people were making a fuss about it. Whereas now, like the last month and a half, I can't believe people, people are freaking out both ways. Both yeah. Ways, people who are stoked and the people are like, I love, they're going to end it all. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Um, yeah. So there, there has to be a thing here because this is what I've considered before intuitively just watching this kind of play out. And I think part of what maybe people are missing is that, uh, it's the testing that's, um, creating the, that, that is now having this massive influence on the, the surplus and the glut. Sure. Um, uh, have, yeah, and it's the getting tested weed to the right place. They're having a difficulty doing that. Um, so that is creating these weird vacuums and then surpluses where there shouldn't be. Like there's weed there. It's just it's not flowing right. Not yet. Um, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm assuming that the testing is really putting a hampering on that. Uh, some places will test it, it test 
negative for mold and then another place tested and test positive. Well, that and like even in Oregon, we don't test for mold. So who knows? Like, oh, <laughs> I thought we did. No, 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 no. We don't what? test for mold. No. P- P- I mean, it's PM, right? No. Well, yeah, like PM or black mold. We don't test for any of that. What we do is a moisture content. OLCC, OLCC requires a moisture content test. That is it. What the moisture. When, was, con- this when is, did this. Uh, 2017, I think. But uh, there's so basically when they get tested weed in, it's only for moisture content. So the whole thing that OLCC said was that if you're not over a certain moisture content in your cured cannabis, then you shouldn't have mold problems. I had no idea. Right. And so but here's the deal. You could get the mold. You could get mold while you're curing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. as long as they don't break, like if you don't send the bud in that has the mold, they won't know. So all of those tests that they would send back that would say uh, didn't pass or whatever, they were not passing them because moisture content was too high? From where? I mean, what do you mean? Who, uh, I, I don't know. From, well, you know, I used to know people that would, you know, sell to the shops and shit and they'd take it in and get it tested. and Right. I don't know anybody personally, actually, that I can think of off the top of my head that had a positive, and I don't remember what it said on the test, that, but if I remember correctly, it's a pass or not pass, isn't it? Well, and that's it's a moisture content. So if you have over like 12% moisture and you're cured, whatever flower you turn in, so whatever mm-hmm. flower you turn in, if it has over a certain amount of moisture, then you don't pass because it could but, but, have mold. Uh, but but they don't test for the strain of, you know, black mold or the strain of whatever, you know, PM, like they don't test for that. No. Well, it does seem like that would be a problem though for liability. Well, so here's the other issue. And we've talked about this in the past too, is that, so here's the deal. So if they don't test for mold, which they don't, then Oregon is doing this mold gold. And you know what I mean by that, right? So, you get you get these and I'm not going to use names because I don't want to get in trouble, but there's certain producers that will take your moldy weed because you can you can have it tested and it'll pass and then they'll take your moldy weed and turn it into concentrate. Sure. And the concentrate again, you test it again and it won't it doesn't not pass because there's not they're not testing for mold and they're not <laughs> testing for the moisture content. So you can turn mold to gold literally in Oregon right now. And I know a few places that actually do it. I live right next to one. <laughs> like three blocks yeah, from here, there's a producer that fucking buys mold all day long. That's a trip. Yeah, I've and, known people that that are not known people, but I knew people that practiced that. I just didn't know that about the testing. I thought that they had some but now that I think about it, I don't even know how that they would do that. Actually, how they would conclusively culture? You would have to test. Yeah, know. you would have to culture each whatever mold. Yeah, I guess I just assume so that's what. Yeah, did. so you'd have to. What you'd have to do is make some sort of category. Like, okay, well, we're going to test for. Like that's how they test is they make categories. And so what you're really worried about is like pesticides because that's what they test for. Well, they test for like 50 different pesticides, but just because they test for 50 different pesticides doesn't mean they test for 80 different pesticides, right? Right. So if you're one of the pesticides they haven't started testing for yet, then you're okay. 
which in Oregon, yeah. that's actually where we do shine is we test for a lot of pesticides and Oregon has actually pulled a lot of shit from the shelf <clears throat> because of unlabeled bullshit that's not put on the label that, you know, it's, you know, finding micro, what's that? Uh, Eagle 20 and some shit and never said it had Eagle 20 in it. Um, right. So that's what people are more worried about in Oregon is trying to pass those pesticide tests because that's what they look for. And that's really what the tests cover. But the test itself sure. has zero test for any mold, whether that be botrytis or the, what's what's the other one? Um, there's a couple different molds that we get a lot, but botrytis is one of them. But I only think yeah, I like PM, just, uh, like PM, uh, botrytis and all that, you could you could have three or four tests and cover most of those molds probably. Yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't know that it was just a moisture content thing. Yeah, it, it's just to show you how much I'm involved in the whole testing and... <laughs> Well, it, it, it's really sad because it just goes back to, you know, the health and are we making medicine or, you know, and that's that, that's really why, you know, 10, well, it's been almost 20 years now. But when I started growing, I just want to know what was in my weed. Oh, man, I got this, uh, this new plant, this Trinity lavender thing. It's pretty dang. Is that what you're working with now? It's one of the new ones. Yeah. One of the new females I picked up. I hear you, I hear you being silent about things, so you're 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 not wanting to share what you're doing. And I get it. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much to share yet, you know. It, it's a, it's interesting to talk about because I I'm pretty excited about it, but I don't know how to relay that excitement. Like I it, I show pictures of it, you know. It's I got I got pictures. That's all I can say. You know, yeah. This new um, Trinity lavender thing. It's just got the structure of the plant that I've been looking for for a while, but it's not the Trinity. I know that. I think that's probably part of the reason that I'm silent about a lot of the things I work with too is because, uh, you know, they're, they each carry a brand name that belongs to somebody else. Um, the Trinity Lavenders might, there's an interesting little thing about that, which is that um, I got that from a private grower and, and that's the name that they had on it and the name that it was given to when they got it. But I'm certain it's not Trinity. I don't know what Trinity Lavender is. So it's, it's hard for me to talk about, you know, I don't know how to talk. I don't know what the fuck it is. All I can do is show you a picture. Isn't that the inherent problem with most strains though? Like, yeah, like you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, you know, do you have what you really have? Yeah. <laughs> really? Or, or, really? or if I do have what I really have, see like for the Candyland, whatever, that really is what it is. And I think it is, you know, that plant belongs to somebody else. You know, it's an uh, open source genetic or a plant. I got the thing on the street from a friend with a clone and the breeder that released it, you know, released it out publicly, but still it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not my plant. I don't know. So, right. Well, it, but like, can anybody say that? <laughs> yeah, like, they can. I, but, but, but really not everybody who? has. Well, I mean, but, like maybe, maybe if you did, maybe if you're to the point where you're an F4 or an F5, but come on, man. Like if, you know how many people, I mean, how many, I, my wife works in a freaking dispensary. Do you, everything is crossed by everything. GMO, this white sure. cookies, that, you know, wedding cake, this blah, blah, blah. Everybody owns, everybody fucking owns a cookies cut. I mean, sure. it's like, we, I mean, it's getting raped anyway. Like, we, yeah. So, um, who, who owns what? 
Like the, <laughs> the person that yeah. made wedding cake, like say Jay Beasy, he still stole that fucking cut. <laughs> I can just say I made it. I That's, just started saying I made purple punch. I'm damn it. It came from my closet. Exactly. Exactly. So, so it's so like no one owns so nothing. So I think that's the point that I think that we're at is that each person contributing here kind of understands that it's just kind of a free for all grab your own. And there are some firms out there like the uh, Candyland is another good example. If I'm not mistaken, that plant came from an actual legitimate, I'll say legitimate because I'm assuming that it came from a program where the breeder was laying down numbers when they did their pheno hunt and that's work. They put some work into finding that plant. Um, but you can find that plant in, in a bunch of other seed packs already for cheaper than, than I probably got the clone for. Right. Um, so yeah, who, who owns it? Nobody owns it and it's available everywhere. Um, and I, I guess I'm trying to take this really long roundabout way trying to explain why I'm kind of silent a lot of the times about what I'm working on because, um, they're, they're, they're just recreations of like DJ's greatest hits. You know, people like that's that's all any of us have been doing is making these recreations of other people's greatest hits. We've what? learned the we've learned the recipe and the combination. The, gen, the access to the genetics has become that easy and that forthcoming that we can just step up. We know where to find them. We know where to cross them, and boom, I've made GDP or right. Uh, what's the one I just released? Um, Williams Wonder. You know, or Blue Magoo. Like that was a it was really easy to make that for me, but it was because of the access to the genetics that I had and my knowledge of it, um, which a lot of people could do it. Um, there's plenty of people out there who, if they had, had access to the Sacagawea could have made the tropical Afghan very easily. Um, well, and, and you almost sound like you're discounting yourself. Yeah, I, I guess, uh, it's not that so much as I, you know, I just, I, I, I guess like I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to keep it real. Like I, the, the thing is, is like, uh, it, there's so many different facets to this. Like, uh, DJ deserves props. You Absolutely. Know? I get it. People who like DJ, who did the breeding, what the DJ's done. And I don't actually know of anybody off the top of my head. I, I'm a little bit out of that loop. I didn't do my history as much as I could have or should have. Maybe that's not true. I think I might've tried and nobody stood out as much as DJ did. I've seen DJ's notes. You know, I've seen the video, the videotapes from the late nineties that correlated with the notes that he has from like his F2s and his F3s. Right. Um, so it's hard for me to, to tout my own work, you know, or, or to, to be bodacious about my own work when, especially when other people are doing the exact same thing. And have made millions of, probably close to millions, at least a million. There's there's firms out there who have made you know five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars over the course of their life doing sure. this, um, and, and more than that. Uh, and and they've gotten these world renowned like uh, uh, Subcool, bless his heart, rest in peace. But what he got that the lifetime recognition award or whatever from High Time. Yeah. Uh, and that's great. That's good. I'm glad he got his accolades, and especially considering now that we've seen how it played out. You know, he since he didn't have a very long run here, maybe it made sense that he got his accolades out of the way a little bit earlier. I don't know, but I think we all know that that for subcool and for high times, those weren't accolades. And I'm not trying to to dog anybody or even high times. You just we all are chasing the, the 
the dragon of the money demon here. Um, so <laughs> I think that here's the deal too, is that people are always more famous in death than in life. Right. So take that into consideration, you know, and, and I, I'm not, this is a terrible analogy. I'm not trying to be depressing here, but if God forbid, say your father passed away, he's, I would imagine is probably going to be more famous in death than he was in life, which is shitty. But you kind of sure. see what I'm saying? Like, it, it's really weird. Like when people pass away and, you, and you've made an influence when you're here, they don't care about you. But when you're dead, all of a sudden you were the best person in the world. It's really weird that way. Right. Right. And I think that's why I, you know, I, I think that subconsciously there, there are reasons like that, that I kind of are, keep my mouth shut about the, some of the work I'm, I'm working on, you know, there's other conversations to be had right now. There's other shit going on. Um, and, uh, the, the work I'm doing is very low hanging fruit on um, mine. You know, I'm what's the high, fan, horrible, what's, what's the high fruit? Just out of curiosity. Branding. Um, yeah, it's there. I can see it. So the high fruit uh, re, is going to require a lot more resource than I have at my disposal right now. Mostly uh, time and space. Space is the main one time. There's plenty of time. To, and the high hanging fruit is that, um, I mean, DJ has his P1s. He's got his F2s. Um, and aside from that shit at this point, I've got feedstock that I could, I could recreate the Candyland GDP and the seed pack, all of those things, sour diesel, I, all of them I could recreate and lock down in a homogenized state in a seed pack. And that's sure. the high hanging fruit. Those packs though, the work that it would take to do those, um, they could be sold for the same amount, but the, the time and labor it would take double and triple. So, um, there are some other th things in the way of the, of the high hanging fruit primarily, or, you know, at the top, I had a big, huge one is the capitalism. How much would I charge for a pack of the F5? How much would I charge for a pack of sour diesel? I wouldn't call it sour diesel. I'm only referencing that as a high hanging fruit. No, I get it. I get it. To say that I could lock down in a homogenized state sour diesel where, you know, six or seven or eight out of the, the 13 seeds from a seed pack are going to be a fucking identical representation of the East coast, our diesel and even the West coast, whatever. Um, what would those cost? <clears throat> is that's the thing is, yeah, anybody can do this and like every blah, blah, blah. Everybody's slapping pollen, chucking this and that, but you keep it. You, even you keep saying it is it takes work. It takes work. And so like, even mine, like I am just now starting my own like it's been a year and a half and I'm still not through my first actual full season of crosses. Right. So you've done one season, haven't you? What's that? You did. You've done one season, haven't you? Excuse me. Yeah. No. So I crossed last year. Season and a half. Right. Right. And so I'm halfway through this season. So that's, that's been over a year and a half, but mm -hmm. I, but you know, it's a process. So to do it right, I've, I've done it right. You know, I crossed them last year. I made the seeds. I, Shuck the plants, and, and I made the and your work in my mind is a little bit different too, because you're working outdoor primarily, correct? But 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 you keep you keep mothers inside. Do you keep moms at all? I do. I keep well. Yeah, right so, now, you, you're you're in a in both worlds. There, it, it's the same thing. Well, <laughs> it's, sorry. It, it, here's the deal. It's what happens is, but even then, I only have a four by four for mothers. Sure. So sure. so really, mothers. It's more like mother. Um, I've got, I've but got, the, 
the concept is the same. Well, yeah, and I can also flip it too. Like I don't have to run mothers in there. I can actually throw in, like I can move my mothers and I can run males in there and skeet the whole tent out if I wanted to. Um, But it's only a four by four. And I usually just run, like I have a Skittles mother and I run, I ran that plum cush in there. Um, The OCT. So that's how I, that's how I was able to run everything is I just kept, Last year, I kept the males in there, and this year, I've got the females. If that makes sense. Not the females of the what I've crossed, but now I've got mothers in there. Last year, what I did was I brought everything outside in May and June, right? And whatever whatever was male, I put back inside and crossed it by keeping inside. So I was able to keep it inside and then do a controlled outdoor. And then... This year it's flipped. So this year what I'm doing is I've got, you know, some strong mothers. Like I got my Skittles. My wife loves Skittles and it's the real cut. And so that one is, yes, in my tent and it's always going to be there. So So do you keep the male inside and separate from the females to keep your seed? Yes. uh, So, so yes. So then I bring my males inside. Yeah. So then that way you have a little bit more uh, smoke, unseeded smoke. Uh, well, what I do is I just bring my males. In. The funny thing is about males is they, they'll live through anything, right? Like sure. the difference between you having a male and me having a male is you probably collect a lot more pollen. You can make pollen go a lot of w- long ways, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so what I have to collect versus what you have to collect is a lot different. Um, and then, so if I collect, say, you know, a couple grams of some good pollen, then that's going to spread, you know, with. So I'm just curious uh, why you choose to keep your males in. So I think what we're getting confused here is there's two kinds of indoors here. I got my four by four and I actually bring my males in oh, right, right, the right. house. Gotcha. gotcha. Yes. Inside the house because the males I could, like I said, they live through everything. I could put a male and I could set it on my windowsill. So you used more than one male last year then? Uh, last year I used the OCT and the plum. Interesting. That's cool. Um, I, and the OCT, man, that, you know, I spread that and same with the plum. I crossed that with green, Greenworks uh, SV in utero, um, chocodile, all that. And yeah, I don't remember what I said exactly. So I don't want to contradict myself, but I'm, this is an interesting topic. I'm glad you brought this up. It was something it just reminded me of that I actually thought would be a good idea to talk about. Go ahead. Was the use the use of my genetics, anyways, and just in general the use of other people's genetics? But I can't speak for other people. I can only speak for myself. Well, but I mean, that's what, the best opinion is your own. So, go ahead and show so that. What I was thinking was that, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I personally am 100% open to other people using my genetics to breed with, um, and to facilitate their own projects and hobbies or businesses and companies or whatever. Um, I personally am in totally open and honored when other people choose to use my genetics or my brand names for whatever they want to do with it. They want to make a t-shirt with it and sell it, make money off of whatever they want to <clears throat> make other genetics with it and sell those, whatever. I just ask that people, you know, continue to use the brand names as they were applied in the descriptions of whatever it is they're offering. Well, and that's kind of what I found. It happens is that gets thinned out. So what happens is, you know, these big breeders, they'll, they'll cross something and takes off and everything. And then all of a sudden they, there's no more 
like every time, every time I post a picture that I've done a cross of yours or Greenworks, I've always tagged you guys because that cross, just because I say, here's my cross of this doesn't mean it didn't come from here and here. Right. So I think that I can, I can speak for myself on a couple of these points. Um, I think, uh, at a certain point of doing enough selections and, and I'm not necessarily in a position to, to do this myself because I, I, I haven't forward bred that many filial directions. I, I only made F1s actually. I made a couple F2s and maybe even F3, but I haven't released any of those. So, um, I think at a certain point, once a breeders feel like they have homogenized this, a certain trait or a certain set of traits in a line that seeds, they feel like they can then take ownership of, of, of that homogenized trade and that line of seeds. And at that point they can put their own name on it and say that this is their cross. And, um, yeah, they don't have to mention, you know, the other crosses at all at that point. It's respectful and nice. Um, but at also at a certain point it becomes laborious and work to continuously credit and promote somebody else. I know this from experience where like doing these collaborations with Bodie, um, which by the way, I should just say for the sake of transparency and to, make the stories uh, make as much sense as possible. Uh, Bodhi didn't ask to do those collaborations with me. I asked to do those collaborations with Bodhi. I contacted him um, and said, Hey, are you open to working together? And what do you have? What do you want to do? What do you have? Um, he offered seeds. I didn't want or clones. I didn't want clones. I wanted something else. Anyway, now I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, but so um, now that I'm a year, year and a half or whatever into doing these collaborations, I've tagged him. To, I don't know shit. Uh, 50, maybe at least 50 posts, you know, and said, you know, credit to the clones that he gave me, the, the black dra or the dragon soul. And the, I mean, it's work after a, a doing this 50 times. It's literally, it's taken, I've devoted probably five, maybe 10, maybe 15 hours of my life accrediting Bodhi and his. And so after a certain point, you're like, okay, I'm, literally my thumbs are tired. My arms are tired from typing all this shit out. So sure. I'm going to, I don't need to do this anymore, but, um, no, that's a good point for sure. Um, I, I just think that takes time. Uh, it, it, it takes, I don't think that, um, it's necessarily as necessary as say like, so like if I'm promoting the, the plumberry cush, um, like a, a lot of times I'll be just in conversating with somebody about that. And they'll say, I they'll say, I, the person will maybe say, I like, I really like chem dog or whatever. Um, and I'll say, oh, well, I have a line that actually smells like climb dog here. I've got this plumberry cush or whatever. Um, I just out of the sake of convenience and, and wanting to save myself time and energy, I might not, I probably would say that this is a cross of, um, purple unicorn and blueberry. And I wouldn't say that it was a collaboration from Bodie between Bodie and my dad and myself. Um, but if that person inquired upon any of those points, I would say that, um, and, and I think that is all that is really needed. Um, at, at this point is that people just are honest about, uh, what the, what the plants are. And that for me is the big one. I like I, who can, who's a big breeder that I can pick on that it's, I'm not biased or, or somebody else anyways. Um, I can't think of anybody else. It's just, I'll pick on somebody random. I don't how know. About, if I how can, about Capulator? <laughs> Capulator. Yeah. He's neutral. Totally. I, uh, <laughs> or they're, they're neutral. Yeah. Cap. So say, um, but yeah, so Cap wouldn't do this, as far as I know. I, 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 and I don't even know. I don't care if Cap would do this. But um, so the problem arises when, say, somebody like Cap, who does have a big following and he's got an, an establishment and is making money, they 
release something that uses one of my genetics and they don't accredit me at all anywhere. They don't even say that there are used plumberry in there when there is plumberry in there. That's the problem that the industry is having from that the breeding industry is having. It's not that people like say cat might not give me credit or whatever, but that's happening a lot. But it, it, it <clears throat> that's not the problem. People, the problem is that people are still just not saying where they got the shit from. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, um, other, it, that's the other thing too. And is, is if it, is what it really is anyway. Like who knows if so there's the story with the, what is it? Marion bears. I think it was, was it Skittles? That was Marion Barry Cush. I forget which one was Marion Barry Cush. I don't remember. And again, I don't want to say the name of the person cause I'm afraid they're going to try and shoot me next time. I'm going to share like, yeah, here's a guy talking shit about her. No, no, uh, no. But I heard the story of what I think it was Marion Barry Cush. It, it ended up being Marion Barry Cush, but it was, um, but the person that was saying that it was something else that they had bred. You come on, you've got to. It was what? It, it was a Marion Marion Barry Cush. I think was subcool, wasn't it? I don't know. I, I expect like everybody else to know these stories, and I don't know them. Like I, I, I are you, you talking the Skittles story? Is it though? Skittles? Was it Skittles? I think it was Skittles. I think the cut was Skittles um, when it was hot and it popped off at the beginning. It was a brand new cut, and then. Was within a year's time or whatever, it was found out and became common knowledge. I heard the story ripple all throughout the industry from a bunch of different people that came and told me, like, hey, did you hear? And I think it was skilled. Did you hear that skills cut was really, it was just Marion Barry Cush. It was just Marion Barry Cush. I heard that a bunch of different places. Oh, well, I thought it was, I thought it was, uh, Skittles to me has always been grape ape crossed with grape. And see, it's probably not Skittles. I'm, I'm getting confused. And so now I'm perpetuating and spreading and starting these rumors. So, that might be another way that this play this plays out, and a lot of this. Another part of um, another possibility for all this is that you have people like me who are just naturally predisposed to having like a, what's the, the term um, paranoid schizophrenia, <laughs> where you think everybody's feeling from you and everybody's talking about you behind your back. Um, oh, okay, and and so all what right. what could possibly be happening is that these things are just. Uh, replicating at such a high rate within the industry, people are able to reproduce them so easily that the person that, and again, I don't know if it was Skittles and Mary and Mary Cush, but use going running with that example that the person who released the Skittles might've actually released something completely different, but it was just looked so identical to the Mary and Mary Cush that people assumed that it was. Um, Right. And I, you know, I often wonder about that because here's the deal. Now that I've grown weed for like almost 20 years, I've, I've had enough time to be able to like see a strain and pick out, Mm -hmm. like I can realize, you know, Oh, Oh, these are the certain markers of this particular strain. Right. And I, and I think after, cause I've been, you know, I've been working with blueberry way before I ever you. And so I, I, I do believe I can see those markers yeah. in my crumbs. More, like I more, can see. more easily than you can see them. It's not seeing, you can smell them the way that the nose assimilates memory into your brain. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's un, once you tune into that part of the memory of your brain that, that, that your nose follows. It's undeniable. You cannot deny it. Um, and so these smells of, of like, again, picking on Mary and Barry and Kush or Skittles or whatever, I've been smelling that, the, that strain for, for decades, for a long time. So we're, we're not going to say that it was this person that ripped off Skittles or Skittles ripped off Mary and Mary Kush. Bullshit. 
I was smoking that and smelling that shit 20 years ago. So somebody ripped somebody off 20 <laughs> right, years ago right. to make Marion Berry Kush. <laughs> and, and, and so, so these, yeah. so these are the reasons why when I talk about whatever cross I'm working on, I, I'm quiet and reticent to be boastful about it because it's already been made. Um, the, yeah. the difference, the, the difference is the, in, in the job that I think a lot of modern day breeders are employing themselves to do are providing the access at the right place and the right time. Um, a, a lot of breeders, um, a lot of the industry is based on this click, this clickish bullshit. And yeah. if you can yeah. cut that down and provide access, you just started a, a business, a company. That's how my business Started. That's what my company, that's why the tagline, and now that I'm doing the politics, I've been really concerned about this, but my whole thing is something for everyone and everyone is welcomed. It's the whole thing. Like right. there should have never been a not in your bag hashtag that, that put, that put companies out of business. Yeah. It, yeah. it, 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 it provided some companies an opportunity to make an, a nice decent chunk of money and to fight over who was a creator of Mary and Barry Kusher Skittles. But, at the end of the day, like it's not a very long term business model. No. And the problem with the cannabis community is people are fickle people. I mean, and the, and the nose you know, knows. just it's and Well, and like you said, like one day someone said, this is just really good and it smells like Skittles. <clears throat> so I'm going to call it that. And they rebrand it. And then, you know, then just because the community decides that all of a sudden that they want to weed this. It's like the GMO rush, man. Jesus Christ. Can I please get some weed that's not crossed with GMO? I'm not um, familiar with the, or cookies, the GMO one. Like garlic, GMO? Yeah. Uh, well, maybe it's a Southern Oregon thing. We, you know, down here, everything is crossed with garlic cookies. Everything everything is crossed with garlic cookies. And I don't have a problem that with that, but I'm just saying the only reason everything's crossed with the garlic cookies is because it became a fad for a minute. And then everybody has to cross it. And it's like... <laughs> I know that guy. Uh, uh, yeah. A blue star or whatever. He did that GMO cross. It looked fire. It did. It oh, I love pretty... GMO. I just, I'm tired of it. I'm not familiar with that. One. Um, but, uh, or like, uh, yeah, a lot of cookies crosses. Everything is cookies down here. Everything is either garlic cookies or one, one I do like, I don't know if you like the orange terps, but I do like, uh, like Tropicana. I don't know if you ever had that. Yeah. I'm not a fan I, of the I orange terps. I, and I have tasted them. You're not really. No, can, cannot stand them. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, orange, no, orange is okay, uh, but I, I actually don't know of I, any orange terps. I get uh, lime and lemon. A pine tall is what I get. I don't, uh, orange for me, I smell berry in the orange stuff. So, so it's either, it's either going to be sweet or it's going to be citrus and you're not getting orange in between. <laughs> You're, you're not getting the, uh, cause for me, I mean, I, for me, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll take a hit of Tropicana cookies and it's just like taking a sip of Tropicana orange juice. Oh, that sounds decent. Uh, that I wouldn't mind, but I've never had anything like uh, that. Yeah. Like and that's, I, I know people are going to think I'm if, out if, of the loop now. 
No, no. Actually, <laughs> next time I'm coming up north, next time I'm coming up north, I'll hit you up, dude, and I'll bring you an eighth or All two right. so you can try it out. But it's by, uh, if you look at an IG, uh, Tropicana, the person that I think that made the best trop, like you say, like, what's interesting is you said, well, I can... I could, you know, go out there and make my own crosses of things that are already out there, right? You can make your own sure. wedding cake. You can make your own, you know, whatever. But um, and uh, and a lot of people have made Tropicana cookies, but uh, Oni seeds. Mm -hmm. So if you look up an IG Oni, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, that, uh, the person that I one one of the one of the main people that I get a lot of my cuts from the person I got like the. Candyland and the Mendo Africa, like half of my mom's actually maybe came from this person. They had the, the Tropicana, I want to say, um, and they're very legit and reliable for their, um, their cuts. That's why I accept cuts from them. Um, and I didn't like it. And it, 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 it had the orange chirps in there, but it wasn't, it was more grapefruit. Um, when I went to Switzerland the first, uh, the first time or second time, sorry, um, reader Steve was working on his, uh, grapefruit, seed production crop so it was and we had a shitload of grapefruit plants going there the day i got there and i like got off the plane go to the place and some of the first plants i smelled and was working very closely with and i just couldn't stand them so i don't know if tropicana is close to that grapefruit or but it, a lot of times i'll refer to things as jack terps right and you know when i you know coming out of the 90s man there, there was a time there where everything's just tasted like jack hair yeah. everything Everything tasted like a Jack Harris. Whatever happened to time wreck? All <laughs> it just all tasted the same. And um, so I joke with that. I'll say, yeah, it's just it's hair. It's Jack Terps. The, the fact is, is like when you get a really good cross, when you get a really solid cross, you can call it whatever you want. You can call it Marion Berry or Skittles or watermelon or grapefruit or whatever. But that cross is going to be a solid taste. And those thing, those are the ones that seem to stand out, like Skittles, Tropicana, um, you know, garlic cookies, uh, blueberry, the DJ's blueberry is an exact example. If it's a really good strain, there's something that will stick out about it that you can just say, yeah, that's it. That, I'm pretty sure that's it. Hey, let's before we go. Let me talk to you about how's how's your psychoactive journey going. It's on hold right now. I um, uh, yeah, I you haven't had any good experiences recently with some, no. I I didn't never, never ended up getting any more mushrooms, so I've been out of mushrooms. Um, or no, actually, no. I tried. I did. I, I I went on a bunch of journeys. What I'm talking about. Um, but I didn't have any mushrooms, so all I had was some acid. Um, and, and I mm -hmm. still have, just have a little bit of acid and the acid's harder for me to just kind of dabble into. But, um, no, I did. I went out there on, in February, you know, I think it was late February. I, I took a, a, a nice dose one day. Um, and that wasn't enough. So, uh, I had some ecstasy lying around that I took the next day on um, that shit. That did it. That did the trick. But I, I don't have any mushrooms or anything else right now. But uh, my my journey is kind of on, it's on hold, man. It's stagnant because uh, I don't know. I, I'm I'm it's such an energy thing, and the world's burning down. So I'm kind of leery right now. 
Well, yeah, that's the other thing too, is you might, you might have some revelations. You don't want to like, it might be a little bit too, you know, too much stuff going on right now to do that. I, I, I was just asking because it's been, you know, a couple months for me too, but it crossed my mind. I'm just about ready to hit the, uh, uh, the redwoods and do some, do a little hike. Um, and I think sometimes I think that's okay. I think sometimes when you, when it's really stressful and stuff, you can actually learn a few things, but a lot of people don't like that kind of, like that can really turn into a bad trip for some people because you know, you can get some, some feedback in the brain. For me, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's hit or miss. It would be hit or miss right now at this time, which I don't mind. I wouldn't mind, but I'd rather, I'd rather be mushrooms than than anything oh for sure yeah yeah well that's the thing i've been wondering lately about that like um i don't necessarily really like um like my i really like dmt and mushrooms acid for me is just too it seems dirty um i don't know how to explain it um i don't get the same vibe the way that i liked that it was explained to me was that uh it's not for recreational purposes. The mushrooms, like I think we had talked last time, I had mentioned that um, one of the things that I really like about, you know, my being able to incorporate into my journey is play. Like, and if there's not an element of play involved there, uh, I I prefer to stay away from it. The the level of play with LSD goes down a notch. Uh, Whereas with mushrooms, I, I have no problem incorporating the element of play into that journey it, it's it's present at all times before during after lsd i feel like i have to you know it's like going into school a little bit a little bit more like you have to you know sit up straight a little bit more and um and so the reason that i actually decided to to take some acid uh, a couple months ago is because i wasn't feeling well with all of this shit that was going on in the, the pandemic and stuff and sure. like, i want to say it was either late march or early or late February, early March. And I was just at a loss or kind of confused. And so I was like, Oh, I'll get caution to the wind. Because it's what we talked about last time too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I didn't mind. Well, did it, did it turn out good then though? I mean, it, it, it sounds did. Like it did. It did actually. Um, I should be a little bit more, um, again, for the, the sake of understanding and transparency, I mixed it, um, with alcohol. I was, I drank first, um, and then realized that I got a little, nice little buzz on from the, and this is very common with me, especially with acid. Like I won't usually just jump right into the acid, but I tried a little bit of alcohol, you know, got a nice little buzz on, was feeling nice from, from really decent whiskey. And I don't drink like fucking ever. I'm, I don't drink at all. And then I could just tell, I was like, this isn't it. You know, this isn't, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna cut through the, the chase or whatever. So. I pulled the acid out and sure enough, that worked. So I was having a, a lot of tension and I still am. Um, the ecstasy is what actually knocked it loose, but I was having a lot of tension in my body, like and in my back and my neck. And then that was transitioning down into my digestion. And shit. I'm hearing, a, reading a lot of stories of a lot of other people going through this exact same thing. Difficulty sure. breathing, difficulty digesting, and then back and, and neck pains and shit. And with the virus and stuff going around, it just begins to impound because you think that you have the virus. Um, and I couldn't let go of that tension. Uh, and the 
the acid did work, um, but it didn't do, it wasn't a full release. Um, and so the next day, I don't know why I decided to switch. Oh no, that's right. So what happened? That's right. I was drunk. See, I was drunk. So I kind of forgot. Um, but so I, I took sure. a little bit of, I took the acid and got nice and buzzed on the acid. And then I had this ecstasy just laying around, which ecstasy is um, recreational for me. So I don't know. I think I just was feeling better from the acid. And so I decided, I was like, well, I'm going to now I'm going to party. So I took like a teeny little piece right. of that ecstasy. And then the ecstasy was so, the ecstasy was really good. But that uh, actually released the tension. And so then I, I didn't want to take any more that night. But then I remembered the next day, I was like, wait, the ecstasy is what made me feel better. So I took a full dose of the ecstasy the next day. And then that, did it the, the tension just it went boom and everything every cell in my body just fucking relaxed and let go of That's everything cool. you know it literally just you could feel the, the breath go back into the diaphragm where it was supposed to go did you, now did you have any long-term effects from those two days that you did that Absolutely. because i yeah um, that's why i did it and i don't mean well, I don't mean, okay, so let me rephrase that. Did you have any negative effects after that? Two negative days? effects. Um, In terms of like feeling depleted? Yes, I, or, so the negative effect know. was that I ran out of ecstasy. <laughs> 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 so, and that's, that's not, it's, I, I, I phrase it and per, present it in this very comical and laughable way, but it's an actual I get problem. It. It's an actual I negative effect. It. Um, it's something that you, that you yeah. need to be, aware of going into this, which is that exactly. they're tools, you know, that facilitate a process. And then once that process is facilitated, you need to move on. You can't hold on to the tools. You got to let them go. Right. Um, so once I was, my body was relaxed and everything, I had to then just concentrate on the breathing and go back to my diet. And I got back in a little bit of exercise and don't get me wrong. I'm still dying <laughs> every day, but not as fast as I right. was in, in February and March. Um, in terms of, yeah, you, when, once you, yeah, it's a process. And then once you're done, you, you've got to let go of the tool, you know, let the yeah, exactly, you know, you process. can't, yeah, you can't always be holding the nope. hammer. Um, you got to step back, you know, put you the hammer put it, down and appreciate what yeah, you built and use it and appreciate the beauty of the, the fence you just built. Exactly. And then use it. Right. Well, and then, and, yeah, incorporate it. And I think that's the, but I think that's the loss with, um, psychedelics or not even psychedelics. I should say, um, psychoactives, uh, is that we, as a society, we use so many psychoactives during the day and they're useful, but yet they get, you know, some have been so demonized that they become not available sure. as tools and uh you know ecstasy is one of them i mean god you could tell somebody you did ecstasy and they're gonna think you're this some drug crazy loser or whatever and and then you tell another person and they're gonna be like oh really well how you know what did you learn right. and that's the important part is i think that we can learn things from caffeine we can learn things from mushrooms ec ecstasy especially i've you know i've done it and that's one of the pro um, you know my thing with ecstasy is it's very it was mdma i should say too if that makes it if that okay makes it okay well and and it, it does and here's the deal it you can't go up for two days and then expect to just come down and be like oh i'm fine sure. 
Uh, and so, but I think that's the loop is people will, you know, we, we use coffee every day. We use uh, sleeping pills. Some people use sleeping pills. Some people have to drink. Some people use sure. cannabis, but we all use psychoactives. And uh, if we respect them, then we can use them as tools. But of course, then if, you know, people do get lost yeah. in them. So. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so to maybe come, you know, to bring the, that, the, the, experience that I just related mm-hmm. to full circle as well. Um, sure. You had asked if there are any negative effects and I didn't really, you know, think it through all the way either just cause it was for me, I don't, I don't, I don't usually think of, I don't regret experiences like that and some of them in a way where this negative thing happened or whatever, but there were some consequences that were, that I had to address within the next week. And one of them was, um, I, I forget if it was the next day after I did the ecstasy um, cause you remember it was two days in a row, it was LSD and then the XC the next day. So I forget right. if it was the day right. after that, that I, that I drank a little bit more whiskey or if it was a couple days later, but it, at any rate, within a week of those experiences, I did go back to the bottle of whiskey cause it was sitting there and I was bored and I was feeling a little bit better. I had nothing to do. So I got actually right. drunk. I got fucking drunk. Um, <laughs> and then I had a, a hangover the next day and this is why I don't drink is because I, I get, vicious hangovers and the hangover knocked me for a loop and it, it sent me right back to being sick again to having the, the tension was back right. again and then i had to sit there for a 36 hour period and deal with what i just had to tell myself was a, a hangover um from from the alcohol right. which was horrific it sucked bad um and that mm-hmm. that could have you know if i didn't have the the the, the privileged ability to address that and the wherewithal to know how to address that, that could have spiraled into a really bad thing. And I think that, oh, I think sure. that this is part of the reason that ecstasy gets a little bit of a bad name and for good reason as well. Um, I did, I jokingly, of course I went, I, you know, and of, of course when I asked the person, it was just a joke, but if they would have said, yeah, I would have took it in a heartbeat. I went back and I asked the person, I was like, Hey, you got any more of that MDMA? <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> and then the person was smart and they told me that it'd be smart when they gave it to me. Like, I just want to let you know, this is all I have and I can never get any more because <laughs> they, right, right. they knew they were like, Jeremy needs this, but only the, only the two doses I'm going to give him. Another thing I, I wanted to mention about that experience too was that both of them, the LSD or all three of them, the LSD, the ecstasy, and the alcohol, all three of them, uh, the only thing that they facilitated that I really needed to do was stretch. I just needed to stretch and I couldn't relax my body and my mind. The two of them were not working in tandem. They were fighting against each other to where I couldn't stretch. Um, so it's stretching and breathing. My body, my muscles—they were tensing up. Yeah, when you are building the stress up, and it—you know—it it, it makes it so that you can't breathe out all the way, and then you end up holding your muscles mm-hmm. in a certain way, and your body just becomes tense. Um, and that can affect mm-hmm. all sorts of your digestion, your cardiovascular system, your circulatory system. Affect everything, and you can kill yourself. You can die. You can have cardiac arrest. You know, or whatever aneurysm. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so that's why I, I did those substances. Um, and for anybody who's leery about trying those substances or whatever, I just want to make sure that I mention that there's always another way. You know, there's always another way. It's just about relaxing. Yeah, and I say that I say that more because um, 
I think a lot of times I was just thinking of myself and how a lot of times I would be listening to somebody maybe saying the stories I'm saying and be like, Oh gosh, I really just want to do that, but I'm too afraid to do it. And so if you're too afraid to take ecstasy or else or whatever, try stretching like a hot bath, but that's some salt or, you know, like there's other options or psych, not even psychedelics, but psychoactives. Like, you know, I've <laughs> one thing about cannabis is you don't have to smoke it. I, there's many ways to consume it. And so, you know, because your chemistry may or may not work with, you know, smoking a joint, let me tell you, I've had several vacations where I've taken a bath bomb loaded with THC nice. and it was the best bath I've ever taken, man. Like screw the sauna. Mm. This, this, I mean, I, 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 I was like sidestepping coming out of the bath. Like I'd felt like I'd been drinking. It was so strong. <laughs> And I felt great. I felt absolutely great. But, you know, you you can consume in different ways that might be more uh, appealing to your particular chemistry or sure. or body. I think for a lot of people, just the access to it is difficult, though. Very difficult. And I also think that that's also an issue, too, is like, you know, access to it. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know the right answer to that. Do we legalize everything or do we not? I don't yeah, know I think so. what to do about I think that. So. And I think that they, yeah, they should legalize it and they should have, I mean, they used to do it in the thirties and forties, didn't they? I mean, and you'd come in and you'd sit down in your doctor's office. They had a whole special room set up for it and they'd dose you with acid and you'd sit there for four hours and they would play chill music and talk you through it and you'd go home and be fucking happy again. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I, I do know this. I know education is much safer than just no access. So people, I think people feel so many times like this goes back to prohibition. You know, people think that if if it's, you know, if they're going to make it bad, then you just don't have access to it. Like that's the rule, right? Like, oh, this is bad, so you can't have it. And it's like... Well, having it isn't necessarily bad. Sure. <laughs> uh, you know, having access isn't bad. And a lot of times access is much better than not having access because you probably get people like kids like here's the deal. We've talked about this on our last show with me and you is that my kids, they're fully aware of what we do. They they know like when I smoke, I say, look, I'm going to take my medicine and I need you to go away. And, you know, much more polite than that. But I, you know, they, they understand there's no lie. There's no, oh, you know, oh, my dad is, I don't know what he's doing. He's just always off by himself. No, I'm smoking weed and you know it. Well, but because of the education, because of that, I, I teach them about it. I keep them aware of it. It, it. it doesn't make them drug addicts. Like they're not potheads. And, you know, they don't even like, like, here's the deal. I told you this before. I'll be growing my plants during the year, right? And, you know, growing weed is hard work. It's not like, you know, it's not like just watering a couple plants every day. And, yeah, and that's all you got to do, you know. So I'll spend two, three hours a day doing my chores on the plants. And a lot of times I'll ask my kids to help me and they just don't want to do it. They're tired of seeing weed. <laughs> so they don't have anything to do with it. 
Now, I also know that a lot of kids that don't get that exposure would probably be wondering what the hell I'm doing in the backyard and would want to get in trouble and smoke all the weed they could if they didn't know about it, right? Yeah, I think I, one of the things I thought would, as a parent would be a little bit more concerning about your kids having access to weed is what they could do with it. Um, about its with it, like its bartering potential would be my concern more than the actual substance itself. The substance isn't going to hurt them, but they can right. trade it for cocaine well, or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, that that no, no, it's a it's a valid point. Um, that and theft, I've thought yes, about this stealing. quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, they would like, are they getting into my stash? And and those questions can be answered by basically we keep everything under sure, lock and key. but the whole you're basically providing um, a chance for like it's almost entrapment. I think is maybe what you're saying. It, yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like uh, <laughs> which isn't fair. It's yeah. not fair. You're like, you're like, now you're a fucking thief, you little bastard. Like, why is your weed? That's pretty much what happened to me. But well, at the same time, well, we talked about yeah. this. This is a great story that you said. Is it in that we talked about this though? Is that your curiosity? Your curiososity was killed by the fact that you had access to it, right? So, weren't you satisfied by having that access? That's true, but uh, my curiosity for theft grew. <laughs> so funny but it's true well, I can't argue with so that. there is this thing where that it's is, like it's not, again it's not the substance that I would be concerning to me it's just the whole process of the issue you know, but again but again yeah, that's the prohibition that's concern for me it's not the and, and so as a parent the concern for me the, again and it wouldn't be the prohibition of cannabis because that's already lifted the, the child has access to that it's the fact that the cannabis can be bartered for another substance that's prohibited so it would be the other the, the prohibition of the other substance whatever it would be I would be concerned about maybe trading it for I don't know a gun <laughs> worst worst fucking yeah, case scenario no, well, <laughs> you trade cannabis for a fucking gun oh poor kid <laughs> fuck the world we're living in man that well, it's, sure, it's, that's the uh, truth of it. Is it's it's. Scary. I don't. I, I can't picture uh, that happening. But for maybe so, more likely scenario would be like that. Uh, one of their friends' mother has Percocets in their cabinet, and the kid can steal pot from you, and then go trade the pot for the Percocet. But again, that has right. nothing to do with pot. That has to do with the prohibition over the Percocet. Well, that and the fact that you know. I would still rather my kids steal my weed than take the Percocets. Does that make yes, sense? Like, it, it like, does make sense. If you had an, if you had an option of drugs, they could get a sure. hold of. But again, we 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 just discussed though that the uh, access to the drug limits their level of curiosity to it. Um, so right. And and another thing too is that and Percocet might not be the best example because it's a synthesized form, but opium in and of itself, in my experience has been, was an amazing experience and I did get addicted. Um, but the experience that I had from it, I, I couldn't trade. I wouldn't want to trade. And I would assume that most junkies, even ones that, you know, went further down the, the hole than I did feel the same way, at least yeah. about the, the visions and the experiences that they had while under the influence. I bet you, I'm sure that the things that, that happened, after being high and the things that, that, that junkies and even myself had to do to stay high were horrible and they suck. But the actual experiences of the substance itself were wonderful. They were very enlightening. So I was trying to 
trying to nip in the bud the um, the complications of, of having, you know, a child who might have access to your cannabis and just trying to really highlight the point that if, well, any problem that I can think of off the top of my head that arises with your, a child having access to cannabis that has nothing to do with the cannabis at all. In my mind, all the scenarios have to do with some external factor that doesn't relate to the cannabis right. at all. And in my mind, it, it has to do with the fact that a lot of those other external substances or experiences or whatever revolve around something that is prohibited, like another drug or a gun or, you know, or all, all drugs should be legalized and decriminalized, I think. At that point, you wouldn't be able to trade it for nothing. <laughs> Right. So, so if everything's legal, you don't need to steal my weed to get your pills. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But that, that's what concerns me though, is even if all drugs would say, say we legalize all drugs, right? Because what's going to happen is we'll legalize drugs, quote unquote, but prescriptions will remain in effect. And so they'll still be illegal drugs, no matter how legal they get, because there is no doctor or pharmacist that's going to want to lose their job. And so there's always going to have to be prescribed medications, which means illegal drugs. Sure. Which is funny because those could be the illegal drugs that people have problems with, like you said. If they legalize drugs, legalize marijuana like we have, and your kids get a hold of it, and then they want to get some Percocet, and their parents, friends, mom has some, and you know, so they trade some weed, and it's like, and all that leads back to what society deems as medicine, right? Yeah. So, 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 but in, so in my mind, if I'm following you correctly, so if 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 what what the derivative of Percocet was made from was legal, which is opium. If that was made legal, um, people could grow their own. Well, that would, would be what it would get down to. Yeah. Yeah. If you could actually, and my, that so then my assumption is that, you know, at that point, uh, the problems that arise with Percocet and opium in general, would be, would decline. And I'm assuming, and my thinking what you were saying was then that the problem drugs themselves would be, then would become drugs like Percocet or a lot of, a lot of the concentrated derivatives. Um, exactly. That's exactly my point is that those things would still be prescription would still be, yeah. they wouldn't be on, even though they say these are legal drugs, they're not, they're only legal by prescription. Sure. So those kind of drugs would be the ones you'd want. And I think we saw similar things kind of ripple through the cannabis industry. Like in the, in the beginning when they were making some of those treats that were like 800 milligram. Um, oh my God. And it, yeah. Which it's, you know, which is a problem. Um, yeah. So Yeah. Well, and they're still making, you know, there's still stuff out there that's, will knock you on your ass. I mean, yeah. Like say, what if you're, what if you make it, what if you're on your way to Eastern Oregon, you stop in Bend and you get yourself an edible and you eat it and you're driving, you know, like people do this shit because people can drive on 50 milligrams. People do it all the time. They don't need the thing and realize it's eight hundred. You're fucked. You overdose. Anyway. Yeah. Now that's true. See, and those are all things I have to consider. I'm just, I'm just glad I don't have kids, man. Sorry. (laughs) Think about that shit. (laughs) And the only thing is, too, is that you're only when you make something illegal, you're only inhibiting the education. You're only stopping right. the education by making it illegal because then it's just don't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they say, well, just say no. That didn't work. You know why? Because there's no education behind that. 
And every kid I've ever known, when you told them just say no, they just said yes. What is that shit? Let me check that out. So, I want some of that. Right, exactly. Which kind of goes back to the point I was saying that because cannabis is more common in our household, they have less questions because they already know about it. Oh, the whole just to say no thing, if you think about it, that was probably the fucking intent. It's probably the whole purpose was to create this. To make them do it? You know, you know, <laughs> probably. I mean, they made good money because, off of that. And still to this day, like if my theory holds true, you know, and uh, these fuckers are hiding in the depths of our community, raking in shitloads of money, then it worked out perfectly for them. I mean, yeah. if... if those, well, in every group that... Every group that sidestepped off of it, like Mothers Against Drunk Driving mm-hmm. and blah, blah, yeah, blah. Dare. Like there's all these groups that kind of, yeah, dare. Everything that came that spanned mm-hmm. off that just say no to drugs. Fucking um, dare, dude. What and is I, dare doing now? Like all those kids, they told people. <laughs> and there's, there's, you know, dare is still a thing. It's, there's, they're still in business. Is yeah. Is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they, how they, what their functions are, what they do, but no, they've still got. Here's what I want to know. Do they still have that goddamn Corvette? <laughs> the yellow Corvette that's <laughs> on the side? I want to see that. I will, I'll buy that. That's got to be worth money right now. Oh Collector's my God. item. That's a historical monument, <laughs> man. That's uh, that's funny that you said they're still around because how would they fund themselves? Now, they're, 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 I'm, and as I was saying that, I'm thinking, I'm like, because it was about a year ago that I looked into this. I couldn't believe it. I Googled it. I was like, oh my God, there's still... I'd be surprised to find out if they're active anywhere right now. I'm not sure what they got to say. The brain's on drugs, kind of. Your brain on drugs. Remember that one? That, yeah. That, kinda, well, and plus the whole thing with cops in schools now, like it's they're done. But no, they're still still a thing. Incredible. And they did it in schools, dude. They 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 came to my school, and yours too. That's right. We're the same age, so you probably remember yeah. being in fucking shit. I was first grade oh, yeah. in my cafeteria those big huge nancy reagan posters with her it was like i don't remember exactly the pose but i just in my mind i picture her standing there like the uncle sam picture pointing at you and just big nancy reagan yeah. with a fucking afro she had a goddamn afro for christ's sake just she say did. no under it afro. um no that is exactly <laughs> what that campaign was and i'm you know it's human instinct so here's what i do like you said and this is what i will do every single time somebody you know, tells me to stay away from this thing, stay away from this thing. In, right. in my mind, no matter what, I'm automatically going to think, okay, that's a powerful thing. What is that? I have well, to know about exactly. this. I need to know what this thing it does. Is. Like, why do I have to <laughs> why? And then it's like this <laughs> cannabis, and then you're, you get closer and closer, and then you, you get close enough to where some of the smoke goes in your lungs. You're like, holy shit, and I have to have this thing. So right. that's exactly what it was. It was it was to sell the war on drugs, which now they've they sold us the war on drugs, and then for fucking decades, and then and then it's just unbelievable, man. Yeah. Well, and I'm starting it. It's almost like push come to shove. Like it's gotten to the point now where it's like you know we've been pushed as a society to the point of now you know literally fuck the police and i say that generally but you know fuck the system fuck the government well, that's what's fuck, happening they've you know we're not doing this they no pushed more. us that's what i had mentioned last time is that you can only push people so far and we've been backed into a corner we've reacted it's like a band-aid it's once a band-aid's been pulled off you know the the the, the heel the sore is opened it's been exposed we can all see it it's, 
the gushing and oozing, you know, we have to address it. I appreciate it, brother. You're a good man and keep up the work and anytime, just let me know. Just give me a call. Good, Craig. Likewise, man. I, I like what you put out there. So just do your thing. All right, brother. I'm Higher Peaks and you've just listened to The Dirt Show. If you like this episode, please like, share, comment, and go to organrooted.com where you can subscribe to us on your favorite platform like iTunes, Pandora, or Spotify. Also check us out on our YouTube for videos and IG, Facebook, and Twitter for all our updates. Thank you for listening.